You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Pass Radio, America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. It's Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. All right, welcome to the show. I'm Tony Wink alongside PJ Dorn and Roman Avila. Across the Glass, Jack and Leanne DeLeon producing the program, and Tommy Boy Elverson and Chris Bishop are helping along the way. Saturday night in Pomona, California, the Red Bull straight rhythm was all two strokes, except for one electric bike. For the first time, and it made for some great racing, both retired Ryans, Villapoto and Dungy, of course, came out of retirement for the day, both looking really good, and uh, were close to making it to the top of the box. Close. But it was Shane McElrath that took the win in the 250 class, and Carson Brown topped the 125 I mean the 150cc class, uh, cheater bikes. Uh, Carson is the son of the uh, the owner of P- BBR Pit Bikes, so he's really good on mini bikes too. Can you imagine that, guys? Uh, Enduro Cross was in uh, the series was in Denver, Colorado, and Pit Pass Radio regular Colton Haker took another win. He's four out of five of the last four out of the last five rounds. He's won four of them and holds a small points lead over Cody Webb. Two mounts remain of that series. And for road racing news, we go to PJ. Well, from Motegi, Japan, we had a. Uh Business as usual, Marquez goes ahead and wins it. Dovey fought him to near the end and unfortunately crashed, which gave uh, second place to Cal Crutchlow, third place Alex Rins, and that was quite a, actually a beautiful finish. So where are they at in the series and the points and that sort of thing? Uh, Marquez has completely locked it up, second through ninth, completely wide open. I mean, certainly there's some guys closer to the top, but there is a mathematical chance for the guy in ninth to pull his way all the way to second. Holy so, cow. Uh, Marquez has certainly got it. It's locked. It's his title now. And coming up in World in World Superbike this weekend, we will have the season finale from Cutter over in uh, Los Sales, the is Los Sales track. Is that under the lights? Yes. Well, it typically is when it's MotoGP. That's a good question. I think it is for right. World Super, but I'm not 100 on, not 100 percent on that. Yes, yeah, so I knew. I knew that uh, MotoGP would be always at night because it's super hot. But it, the timing is different, yeah, maybe. So this I don't time know. Of year if, might not be so miserable. I, that's a good question. I'll find out. It sounds miserable just being there. You've been there, haven't you, Roman? No, I haven't. I didn't get a chance. How to How far is that there, from no. Afghanistan? Uh, a fair amount. Oh, but, uh, see, so yeah. I'm not real good at geography. No, it's all right outside of the United yeah. States. Sure, but, uh, you've been to Europe <laughs> once. Abu Dhabi, you're in that area. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so on the program today we have Shane McArath, who won the Red Bull Straight Rhythm. Awesome. Also, AJ Catanzaro is going to be on, who raced the 150 class. He had a super tricked out. James Stewart replica. We were cheering for him just because yeah, of that. But it, it was awesome. 
Tristan Hart is going to join us as well, who's racing the Enduro Cross Series. Road racer Cameron Bobier is on, and uh, GNCC racer Josh String is going to be on in hour number two. So we'll go to our first guest now, if you will, Jack. Please patch through Shane McArath. Shane, congratulations on your win, man. Thank you. Thank you. It was, it was pretty wild. How cool was that? Man, it was it was something else, just uh, especially getting to race Dungey in the final. It was right. so crazy. I was like... And beating was, him. Yeah, beating yeah, him. Well, I was stuck uh, like in my own head. I'm like, man, second second's fine. Like, second's pretty <laughs> cool. But at the same time, like, no, I want to race him hard. Like, I, I, I think I, I might be able to beat him. And... It was just, it was crazy. I, yeah, something else. How old are you, Shane? I am 24. Okay, so that brings me to my point. What do you know about racing a 250 T-shirt? <laughs> um, I don't, actually. I don't know. I've Before Wednesday of last week, I'd spent maybe three laps on a 250 T-stroke. Come on. Uh, wow. Uh, I, I grew up riding a 125. Okay. So I, and I uh, raced that in schoolboy, but um, never really rode a 252 stroke. Um, never really had much interest to. Uh, and then uh, I uh, rode it on Wednesday for the first time on Supercross and was scared to death and <laughs> trying to figure out how to time my jumps. Because, I mean, it, it had more power than our 250S. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, so it it was a lot of power with a strange delivery because of the carburetor, and it made for a lot of air wheelies. That's for sure. So the the TPI uh, thing is, is that on the two fifty two stroke, or you, can you only get that on the three fifty? Yeah. No, they they absolutely have it on the two fifty and the three hundred now in the KTM world. Okay, so you you weren't on the transfer port injected bike, or or you were, or you don't even know. Who knows? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> they plan on riding a 252 stroke and it, it had been built for about a week and a half but we were just testing and stuff uh on our four strokes and i was like dude i i kind of want to ride it before we have to race it and, uh, <laughs> might be helpful we, i rode it for about 20 minutes before uh or i rode it about 20 minutes Wednesday afternoon, then I rode it about 45 minutes at a practice on a Thursday evening, and then I had to ride it on Saturday. So I was I was pretty nervous leading up to it and all day Saturday just because I was not that comfortable or confident in my riding on that bike, just not being able to really predict it as well as I would have liked to. We were watching the, the the race. Obviously, we we didn't go. We just we just got. I actually raced all weekend, but I I come home in time for that, and we were watching it. And and uh, the the uh, the two stroke I think seemed to make the racing. And I don't know if it's just because it's it's in our head, but it just seemed like the racing was really good. But then I watched some of the videos today. I saw on Racer X or or maybe on Mathis's deal or somebody. I don't know what it was, but there was. Just while I was waiting to do the show here, I was looking at some videos, and man, the old the old videos on four strokes that, that's a cool event, though. I mean, that's just yeah. overall that's a neat event. Do you think the two strokes added to it, or do you think it was just just another cool element of it? Um, 
I had a lot of fun racing them, but I also, I've had a lot of fun there every year, um, riding my four stroke. Um, I, w- I would say that it was pretty stressful for us just because, I mean, it's supposed to be a fun race, go have fun, and then they put a decent paycheck in front of us, and it's like, okay, well. Now you have incentives. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we're not just going to go have fun getting second, third, fourth, whatever. And uh, so it, it, was, it wasn't my favorite thing, and I kind of wish – or I, I hope that I'm not really put in that position again, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, I kind of impressed myself just with ad- having to adapt to the bike so quick and my best rides were at the end of the night. And uh, it just, each run felt like it progressed. But um, it's really a fun event, and it really helps us with a little bit of bike setup. It helps us with just uh, like riding on Supercross even though there's no corners, like it really, really kind of helps us out. So I, uh, I love the race and I think Red Bull does a good job and, and it is a really fun race, but there's a little too much on the line to think it's just all fun and games. Do you think, uh, you said it helps with bike setup. Do you learn some stuff that, that maybe you're, you aren't doing on your, on your regular 254 stroke? Yeah, and that's kind of what we've been struggling with this year is we have a new bike, so uh, our normal setup isn't working anymore. Um, So we've been really trying to dial in our suspension, and it's hard to, I guess, figure that out on on one track, like our our Supercross track. Like we try and ride it different places and learn with different types of dirt and this and that, but... um, straight rhythm it's like okay well let's just stiffen it up and get it to to work really good in the whoops let's get it to push through the rhythms really good and then we uh will go take that back to the supercross track and it's like okay well how's the bike now uh it's pretty stiff and i'm having uh trouble turning okay well then let's start softening it up so that i can still hit the whoops good but i can also get it to turn so you just find a balance uh, there yeah so it, it really, really helps out, and uh, just it teaches you technique. And uh, I mean, it's only forty seconds, but at the same time, you really uh, learn how to really get everything out of that forty seconds. And you can just take that back and transfer it straight to the supercross track. And how can I be more efficient while going faster and and whatever? So it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Who owns the two stroke you raced? Uh, I, I guess it's KTM. I, uh, I didn't really, um, you just got on the bike and rode it. Yeah. To the win. Said the plan on riding a 252 stroke. And so I said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Uh, I just curious if I could have it. No. Or buy it. I don't think you can. There you go. I'd buy it. I mean, I don't think uh, yeah. they're letting a cool that bike go. to have. It would it be, be. A, yeah, for sure, and it'd, yeah. it'd probably bring a pretty penny. Being the the winning, I don't know, maybe nobody cares, but I think it'd be. I'm just curious if if uh, you know somebody that ha, you know shop or or somebody if, if KTM you know supplied the bike for the well, team or 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 what happened. You want but, me to call uh, Roger? No, we're off? good. Okay. We're good. Um, Check in with him. Your uh, your 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 season is coming up. What do you what do you have planned? 
as um, far as like West really, Coast or, or East Coast? Uh, we're kind of planning on doing uh, planning on doing West Coast. I mean, we um, we try to all be ready for a one, but sure. um, I mean, things always change. People get hurt and this and that. So, I mean, we don't want to uh, be coming into Supercross and not have anybody that's healthy that's ready and uh or that we don't want to have anybody not ready uh to race in case something happens so we uh we all try to be ready for west coast and um that's kind of what i plan on on doing is the west coast so um that's pretty much what we're getting ready for we're dialing the bike in the best we can and just trying to make sure that when i go back to florida in uh another couple weeks that we're just strictly focused on base training and uh, and getting better and building our base. So um, we won't have any more questions about the bike or tweaking on it or anything. It's just grind time. So um, that's kind of where we're at right now. Shane, are you training down at Baker Factory? Yes. How's that? Uh, it's really good. I'm really happy with the progress that I've made and just uh, to really see the, the science behind um, how to push your body. And uh, that's something that's been really cool to see in myself is it's not so much progress like day-to-day, week-to-week, um, but like each year looking back, it's like, wow, that is that is a huge improvement. Like, um, mainly just like the weather down there, uh, especially for outdoors is, is huge. I mean, we could get away with, um, with doing supercross on the West coast, but, um, we're always having to drive here for the ride and drive here to go to the gym. Like there's just kind of a lot involved and, um, there it's, it's a lot more simplified. We have, uh, riding gym shop everything right there in one spot so uh, we don't have to do so much running around we can do our work and then we can rest and get ready for the next day yeah you're not wasting time traveling from one spot to another sitting it's all on centralized. the 91 waiting yeah. waiting waiting yeah. no thanks no thanks yeah that's why i live in the country yeah. Yeah. hey shane so uh recently alden had put out a uh I don't know, an article about uh, e-bikes. Ooh, I got uh, one of those. This isn't about you, Tony. All right. So he put out uh, an article, and and I found it in Vital MX, but um, he talks about e-bikes and and motocross training. Is that something that you guys are are doing more of down there? And is that something that you enjoy doing, or can you expand on any of that for me? Um, I've only ridden an e-bike a few times. But, uh, like all the 450 guys down there, they, uh, people who have been down there longer than I have, um, I know they were incorporating that into their training. Um, and it's pretty crazy, like the technical aspect of how they can dial each bike in for, um, the load that each person needs. So that way everybody's going the same speed the whole time, just at different, uh, different like wattages to 
achieve the same goal. And so I've I've only ridden one a few times, but never for tra- like training purposes. Um, but they are pretty trick, and it's pretty crazy. Um, like for us mountain biking, like in California and stuff, uh, it's pretty cool. But at the same time, sometimes we don't get to go go that far, or cover a lot of ground, just because we do a lot of climbing, and sometimes it's really steep. So um, the e-bikes, it's almost like taking a mountain bike on the road, um, where you can really cover a lot of ground if that's the only thing you have. Like if you don't have a road bike or something, uh, and you want you don't really have any trails, it's it can double as a road bike. So. Well, I'll tell you what, Shane, I've got a, I've got a KTM e-bike or or electric assist, you know, and a mountain bike and uh, I'm in turbo mode all the time just to try to keep up with everybody that's on uh, non-electric assist bikes and all the climbs because it's, uh, it's, and I'm still, my heart's about to, you know, blow out of my chest from, from beating so hard. And and it's, uh, there's no way I could ride with all these dudes that, that are, you know, real mountain bike riders, real pedalers. Yeah. And b- if I didn't have that thing, so now I can hang out. I think yeah. it's, I think it's really cool. And, and, and you sent me that link Roman of that yeah. uh, Eldon put out or whatever that was on vital. And it was uh pretty cool. So, um, yeah. so, so you can't, uh, you have to wait till you're on a 450 to uh, get to use that or, <laughs> or Alden uh, makes you earn that ride or what are you riding? You just yeah, riding road I'm, bikes. I'm, yeah. We, uh, like, I kind of leave my mountain bike in California because the road bike in here is kind of a little more dangerous. Um, so there's a lot of mountain biking here. So we kind of, we kind of try and stick to mountain biking on, uh, the West coast, but then the East coast there, especially where we live, like in Claremont, there's a, a bike path that can take us all the way to Orlando or there's a bunch of country roads that, um, not a lot of traffic are on is on. So, we uh we can really cover a lot of ground uh there on road bikes and still be pretty safe so um but there's also not much climbing either so we we've got to be pushing a pretty decent pace to um get a good training load out of our road bikes but at the same time like we uh we try and stick to that because it's a little more safer on the east coast and in california you got all that uh so sick, bro. Sm- mountain smog. biking. Oh, smog. I guess smog too. Oh, you say smog. The yeah, yeah, the mountain biking would be would be preferable, I would think, because uh, you get up out of the city air and there is a lot actually. Some yeah. really cool riding yeah. in, in California, so Southern California for mountain bikes. But the road yeah. bikes, there's not. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I wouldn't. No chance. I'm going to ride my bicycle, my road bike in in California unless mm-hmm. I'm on a trail because it's uh, sketchy. Yeah. But I'm I'm scared anyway. Yeah. Every time I get on, if I'm not on a on a an actual uh, y- you know bicycle trail, yeah, yeah. So I I tell you a real quick story, and then we have to wrap this up. But I was with Justin Brayton, and he came back. He's from here, you know, and he came back, yeah. and he's having a little mountain or a little road bike thing, sixty miles, no big deal. All right, I got my yeah. electric assist. Yeah. I forgot to charge it. And uh, oh, no. that bike weighs a thousand pounds without, yeah. you know what I mean? It's so heavy. Oh, and I'm on a mountain no. with off-road tires and I get about halfway through and I'm like, the thing's petering out on me. And I go, yeah, 
JB, I don't know if I can do this. And he's behind yeah. me pushing my pushing me, you know, and oh, literally pushing me. It was cool. it was brutal. So um, if you're gonna count on the e assist and you're gonna get a long ways from home. Make sure the battery's changed. And it, and it was brutal, Shane. Yep. He could barely walk the next day. Oh, it was, it was so bad. It was so painful. So walk, bad. Walk or sit down. Yeah. Oh, I was laughing <laughs> I went, so hard. I went and got a road bike directly after that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Shane, congratulations on your win at the at the uh, Red Bull Straight Rhythm. And, and I know you're going to have equal ex- success in Supercross this year. And I'm excited to... to uh, I'm probably not even going to make it to a round until San Diego, but... Um, I'm really excited to watch you race, and uh, I know you're going to have an awesome season. Who do you want to thank that helps you go race? Man, I, I uh, God has been so good to me and my wife, and that's really um, something that we're learning. We're we're just thankful and grateful, and that's that's been a big part of our lives um, since we've gotten married, and uh, and then some. So, um, just got to thank my whole team and. Uh, this could be my last year in the 250 class, and they're they're behind me 100. percent So, uh, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. All right, Shane, congratulations, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have AJ Catanzaro. This is Pit Pass. I also want to thank um, some of our our sponsors, including Fly Racing, continue to expand its hard line. A line of hard parts from bike stands to handlebars, grips, chain and sprockets, foot pegs, and lever assemblies to creative products such as its innovative boot wash stand. Fly Racing designers are committed to making quality hard parts. Visit flyracing.com or see your local Fly Racing authorized dealer for a full list of available Fly Hard Parts. This is Pit Pass. Stay tuned. This is Tomas Puerta from Medellin, Colombia, and you're on Pit Pass Radio. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard-packed supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions, and it's now available in a new force model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new slow rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the tacky tires, the choice of Sherco off-road. Racers say when using a tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. Hey, Moto fans, we do our best to keep you in touch with what we're doing through our website, iHeartRadio, Facebook, Twitter, and more. Well, now you can listen to Pit Pass Radio on your handheld device anytime with the all-new Pit Pass app for Android or iPhones. Go to your app store now and download the new app, Pit Pass, at no charge. Yes, we have an app for that. It's the all-new Pit Pass app. Get it today. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO. The Yamaha YZF-R3 sport bike at Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes is the most exciting and affordable way ever to join the exclusive world of Yamaha R-Series Superbike Performance. 
It features a potent fuel-injected 321cc liquid-cooled parallel twin-engine for great acceleration, a slim, lightweight chassis for sporty, agile handling, a low seat height to get both your feet firmly on the ground for added confidence, plus legendary Yamaha Superbike styling guaranteed to turn heads, all at a super value. No wonder Cycle World calls it a bargain, and Revzilla hails it the new king of the hill when it comes to entry-level lightweight sport bikes. Visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes today to see the incredible Yamaha R3. And for more information, visit YamahaMotorsports.com. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeve shirt, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Hello again, everybody. It's Scott Casper for Jack Daly on Construction. You've got projects that need to be done. Basement, refinish, kitchen, bathrooms. How about this? Need more room? Call Jack Daly on Construction. They've been serving Iowa for nearly 70 years. Right now, you can finish your basement before April 30th. Spend at least $25,000. I'm going to get you a 55-inch flat screen TV. Call Jack Daly on Construction Incorporated, serving Iowa since 1946. Call them, 321-5225. 321-5225 is Jack DeLeon Construction. Hey, this is Jeremy McGrath, and you're listening to Pit Pass Moto Racing Weekly. Speaking of Jeremy McGrath, the Red Bull straight rhythm was kind of a throwback this, was. this week with the uh, the 90s for... The theme. Yeah, the theme we had... Uh, uh, but it was all two strokes which the 150 class isn't really a 90s thing but it was sweet and one of the guys that we were rooting for because of his sweet number 259 replica was aj catanzaro and he joins us now aj what's up dude hey thank you guys you almost had a win we were we were we were cheering for you oh well thank you yeah i was what i think point zero zero four. is that that was crazy close Crazy close. Yeah. Oh my! It seemed like every race I was in was basically a photo finish. I just wanted to stress myself out as much as possible. <laughs> it was some really good. It was some really good racing. Uh, what did you think about it? Uh, I thought honestly that the track was built absolutely perfectly for the two strokes, and it just made for great racing. And the way they were describing it, Jason Baker at Dream Tracks was describing it as he's like the. The tracks used to be two different tracks for the 125s and the 250s. Um, and that's so true. You know, like, the only person I can think of that was able to actually triple rhythm, stuff like that, regularly on the 125 was James Stewart. <laughs> Other than that, the rhythms turned into double, double, doubles, where the four or the 250s were able to, to triple the things. Um, and until the night show came around and me and Carson Brown and Luke Renslin started doing a triple, triple in the rhythm, it was just us doubling all the way through, which just made it really entertaining. How uh, how sketchy was that to start with when you guys first started hitting those triples? Because Tony and I were watching uh, the broadcast, and uh, we could see a lot of the guys were doubling. But then you got when you, like you said, started triple triple through. It looked like you had to put some English to the bike, but I, tell us from your perspective how it went. Yeah, well, the, the scariest thing about that, two factors, one being on a 2004 125, like, I was just afraid it was going to bog, um, which thankfully, I mean, with electron carb, like, that thing was pretty spot on the whole day. I didn't have any issues whatsoever, but that was still in the back of my mind. Um, and with that, I was I was really stuck in between gears, and I was struggling with that the most throughout the day. I couldn't figure out where to let the thing scream in second and where to just shift to third. 
um, it seemed like I was up and down shifting in places where I would normally never would. So that was a little confusing to me. Um, and I don't think I jumped that triple until the very first heat of the first bracket race with Ryan Surratt. So in the quarterfinals, um, so that's scary to go out in a race mode where you're trying to push. And then all of a sudden you have to do a big jump that you haven't done before. Talk about the bike, um, if you will, please. The, the, the 259, uh, James Stewart trip replica or tribute bike or whatever you want to call it. You know, you ran his number and his, and, uh, gear and yeah, it was yeah. super cool, dude. I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> uh, it, I, th- I thought it was, did anybody, wh- what was the reaction there in person from everybody? Were they into it? Oh yeah, it stole the show, uh, which was the plan. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was awesome. And I, I reached out to Spencer Luzak, who owns the bike and really just built, I mean, he did build it from the ground up, but every detail, every little part of that bike has been worked on. I think they said on the broadcast and I said it before, he put $30,000 into this bike. So, Holy smokes. Yeah, it. As far as bikes that I've ridden, it, it tops anything I've ever ridden before. Um, just from suspension to frame details, subframe, motor, the you know carbon fiber hubs, just stuff that I've never had on bikes before. What? Um, Sorry. To get the gear and everything to, to match, and the gear was spot on. It was just, it, was, it couldn't have gone any better, really. What kind of suspension were you running on that thing? Brand new stuff, or? So... I should know the details a little better. The front end of that bike was, I want to say the forks were 2011, uh, single, like single SFF force. So mm-hmm. single function, uh, spring, uh, from a KX 250F, I think. So that's so, the rebounds on one side and compressions on the other. Is that right? Correct, which isn't my favorite suspension in the world, but I would choose that over the new air stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would probably, I'd say, choose that over uh, forks that were straight up off of an 04. <laughs> right. Uh, and it was A-Kit stuff, A-Kit internals, everything. Um, it, the, the only thing and my only complaint with it is that we had outdoor suspension. I was the only rider there with outdoor suspension. Um, so really? with that being said, it still handled it really well. And I got a text from, of course, Phil Nicoletti. He doesn't say good job or anything. All, all he texts me saying is, but stiffen your forks, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Looking so, good. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> He's at home <laughs> watching after, it. Yeah, after that, he texts back, and, and he goes, he goes, no, really, though, if, if you had a super cross suspension, he's like, you would have won. You look really good. That's awesome. So he gave me a little bit of a compliment. But I, um, it, it was hard to ride the track with stuff that was that soft. I, I would have had no idea that you were on outdoor suspension unless you, you said it. We couldn't see it. Phil can because he's at that level, I guess. Right. But we didn't know. I mean, we were just we were just stoked that it was such a close race every time you threw your leg over. Yeah, I mean, it, you would have thought it was almost like set up that way every time I went down to the third round. And I think what would happen, I, I lost every first round race with each rider. And that's, that is kind of how I work. Like I had to get the bugs out each time, especially the very first race after we had four or five hours off after time qualifying, I was a nervous wreck and it's a different element than being in supercross where, yeah, sure. You have, you know, 50, 60,000 people watching, but there's also 20 riders on the track and you have multiple laps. You have like lap one 
sure you want to go out fast, but you at least have some time to work the kinks out. With 45 seconds, it just absolutely wide open the whole time. And you know that if you make one mistake, you're you're pretty much out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a cool event. We we you know, we uh we got done I got done racing and pinned at home to watch it only to go back and race the next day and it's it's fun watching events, you know, in between when when you see stuff like that cuz it's it's just uh you know, and I'm old now, so it's still but it's still cool to to uh, watch you guys race and and uh just see neat now, events like that. Perspective what how how does it compare for you guys watching it as opposed to a supercross is it more exciting less exciting just something totally different for me for me honestly i find it somewhat more exciting i, I think um first of all we're on two strokes and tony and i are both over 40 i'm just over 40 though Come just on. over 40 i'm 43 <laughs> whatever but um you know i i think having a different element to the to the program uh we got to bring back a couple uh retired favorites uh for people and i think sometimes supercross just kind of can get you you kind of get lulled into a rut if if the race isn't overly exciting so i i think i i think this was in, in in your races and you know some of the other things that were going on with the uh in the bracket racing I thought was was good. I thought that this was the best straight rhythm I had seen. I think you're right. I think it was the best the best overall event that, that, yeah, that they put had. together for straight rhythm. For me though, AJ, I think um you know, just because it was something interesting and it was you were it, it kept you engaged whereas you know, and I go to some races still, but having uh you know, raced my whole life and then um um you know, and then I ran a race team for five years and it's, it's, uh, you know, and we've been doing this show for 15 years and I I work in the industry. I mean, it's kind of, I'm, I'm, I can kind of get jaded and kind of bored with, uh, with Supercross. And and even though I know it's, you know, it's awesome. And and I go to, you know, I won't even go, I didn't even hardly go to races last year and, and I'm, and that's kind of my deal, but I'm, I'm not going to race this year till San Diego probably, but, um, you know, if I was in California, I probably would go to this the race in Pomona. I would probably go. I, I think it's really cool to to answer your your question. I think compared to other events, I was as entertained watching this as I was the Monster Cup, and two people became millionaires at that event. So, and they had to work a lot harder than uh, than. And, uh, and if you get a boring rate or a blowout of a race, it's only forty five seconds. You have to watch it. So, <laughs> and then you're lining up. Yeah, that's a big one. up. And there were some come yeah. from behind deals in these, you know, forty-five second races. I, I caught the highlights uh, yesterday and today, and there were some come from behind. Like, yep, it's over. Wait, no, he's back. I in know it. that's what I thought too, and I don't know if that's because it was two strokes or what. Because usually, when a guy, you know, that they don't, they, I think, it's easier to make mistakes on a two stroke. Would you agree with that, AJ? Uh, I would absolutely agree with that, and the tra- the way the track was laid out, and the especially on a 125, it was nearly impossible to do an entire run without messing something up. <laughs> right. And being on a 125, a mess up to like the normal person's eye watching it, um, or sorry, like what you would think would be a, cr- a clean run watching it, 
to me or anyone on the 125 doesn't feel it because you hang a wheel just by a little bit on the landing, anything like that, and it's ruining your drive. That's why you saw, probably if you watched the 125s back, you saw a few where you, even the first one with Ryan Surratt, I had what seemed like a big lead on him. And next thing you know, he just ate me up and actually went by me. And all that took was for me to miss one shift. So I hit the double, triple in the center, like the, the super cross style triple, stuck in second gear. And I hung up my rear wheel just a tad when I landed and wasn't able to like, scrub it and stay low. And he went from four bike lengths behind me to one bike length in front. So it was just cool. It was a fun element being on the 125s. It was as if, like, I love riding pit bikes for that reason. I love riding anything that's slow and stock because you have to be so precise, and that's kind of right up my alley. I, I wish that's what we raced on all the time. I would do much better. So you keep saying 125. We know the class limitation was 150. Was it a stock right. 125 so, bore, or are we talking? I was on a 144. 144? Uh, but, and it was a great running bike, but I'm going up against one stock, or not stock. I'm, I'm going against, you know, Carson Brown and all these guys that are. 150s? On, on 150s. Yeah. I'm sure are tricked out 150s. So I know, like, I was super, super underpowered. It would have been cool if there was like a rule to have everyone on actually a stock bike, but I know that would be hard to, to govern that. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, everyone's bike was pretty darn slow. So <laughs> it looked cool. It looked fast it to me. Yeah. Oh, it made it, it just made it super fun. And like, even I, I, I could be biased about this, but I, I felt like I was the fastest guy through the whoops in the one twenty five. Um, and I, I think a lot of that was because of just the drive I was getting off of the roller before. And a lot of people are like, Oh, you're on the bubble replica. Why aren't you scrubbing? (laughs) And I kept telling people, well, what I was doing was more effective because I'm actually getting the wheels to the ground and being more precise with it and getting the drive rather than throwing the back end around landing sideways, having to get the bike straightened out. Right. There was a lot that went into it. So, uh, and we're almost out of time here, but AJ, do I remember seeing you race arena cross? Yeah. So when I was 15 years old, I won the, uh, lights championship in arena cross. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I I knew it's been a while. Um, just talking about these two strokes, arena cross got really boring to watch and, uh, we did our best to, to wave the banner and, 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 you know, and, and finally they folded the doors on that. Do you think if they were racing two strokes, do you think arena cross would still be, as exciting as it was back in the day? Uh, that's tough to say. I mean, I think there's only so much you can do when you're working with 20 seconds, 20 second lap time. Um, as far as creating an exciting track and something different every weekend. Uh, all I know is that coincidence or not this weekend made for absolutely amazing racing in the 125 and the 250 class. Yeah. Well, but I I lived through the the uh, Buddy Antonez, um, you know Chad Pedersen, Denny Stevenson, that era, and th- th- that was exciting. Though that was crashing, slamming into each other, <laughs> you know, um, and and tight, guys tight racing and guys making small small mistakes and it costing them three positions in that twenty seconds. So. I I think it has a lot to do with it personally, but 
it's yeah, that's a good point too, because you know you make a mistake on those two strokes, and you do lose a lot more time. Where the four strokes, you make a mistake, and you can kind of power yourself out of it. Yeah, yeah, you can just gas it and get yourself out of trouble. So, yeah. uh, what's next for you, AJ? Uh, well, hopefully this helped my cause. Um, but right now, I'm I'm just going to start really focusing on Supercross and getting my program together. I just announced today that. I'm going to be bringing on a different title sponsor for each weekend's event. So it creates a lot of work for myself, but at the same time, I think it's exciting. And it, uh, it's definitely a better opportunity for small businesses and uh, people that want to be involved but can't front the bill for a 17-race series. So if the race is coming to Nashville and they happen to live in Tennessee, it's a cool opportunity for yeah people to uh, come on board as title sponsor for the weekend and it's uh just last year I did it for the East Coast rounds and it was a huge success. So going to do it for all seventeen this year. So two things, uh, PJ. Three things, PJ. Your brother immediately came to mind. He's got some business. Just started a new charter boat service, and he would. I bet he would be into this. There you go. Okay, so we may have a guy there for you. Go. Um, and two, you better. I hope you have a good graphics company because they're going to be busy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. And three, what does it cost to be the the title sponsor of a nashville or like race yeah so i'm all what i'm only charging 1500 for the weekend for the title sponsor and it's basically that's good price i mean it gets yeah i wanted to keep it reasonable and so like i said so individuals and small businesses can get involved and it's not breaking the bank um and we're doing it so like it involves you know two vip tip passes and uh the main spot on the shroud of the bike you're on the jersey on the helmet when they announce the races, you're announced as the title sponsor. I, I'd say it's, it's worth the 1500 bucks, And for me, it's enough to, it'd be nice if it were more, but at the same time, if I can make that happen for all 17 rounds and get a couple other things going, I, I can afford to kind of get the thing going. That's awesome. So you work with whomever steps up and, the, you know, they, they or they bring you the graphics and your graphics guy handles them from there? Because that, it's, that sounds like a really reasonable buy-in for uh, for a company who wants to have their name up in big lights. Yeah, I I, I hope so. Um, thank you for saying that. And it, it does. It creates a lot of work for myself. It creates uh, my favorite graphic company. Um, well, that's awesome. We've still got you here. We didn't dump oh, you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's, no. that's, that's Jack's cute saying we got to go to break. AJ, it's been awesome having you. Congratulations on your success and and uh, we'll uh, maybe we'll send PJ's brother your way. He's down in Nashville, and it makes perfect sense for him. Yeah, that's funny that I used that as an example. Yeah, uh, have him reach out. That'd be awesome. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, big thanks to our guest, AJ Catanzaro. We're going to uh, come back with Tristan Hart and Dural Cross Racer. This is Pit Pass. Hey, uh, this is Roger DeCosta, uh, team manager for Red Bull KTM. And uh, you guys uh, better listen to Pit Pass. With no speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans, Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details at trackaddicts.com. That's trackaddix.com. Or call Ducati Omaha at 402-408-4400. Learn to ride your sport bike the way it was meant to be ridden with Track Addicts Track Days. 
With the tremendous amount of horsepower and torque created by modern dirt bikes, today's racewear must withstand tremendous forces. It must breathe well, be lightweight and protective, yet still durable. Fly Racing created its Evolution 2.0 racewear to fulfill these requirements. Evolution 2.0 features the industry's first BOA closure system race pant designed to provide custom comfort, smooth, even closure, no pressure points, and simple one-handed adjustment. Add to that the Evolution 2.0 ProFit Advanced Ventilation Jersey and Premium Race Glove, and you have Generation Next racewear, built to withstand the extreme conditions created by the modern dirt bike. For more information, visit flyracing.com. It's much more than a piston company. Wiseco now offers a full line of quality performance products, including forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets and hubs, crankshafts, camshafts, forged connecting rods and valves. At Wiseco, we offer accessories for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard marine engine, or automobile on the market today. After 70 years in the business, Wiseco has established a great reputation as a brand that can be trusted to deliver high high-quality performance products for power sports enthusiasts and professionals. Wiseco. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10 right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO. If you're passionate about riding motorcycles both off-road and on, check out the full line of Yamaha Dual Sports at Hicklin Power Sports. The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest to ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riding who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long-travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style, Yamaha has a dual-sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. The point is good. Drink Swell Vodka, proudly and carefully distilled and filtered in Iowa. Like Swell Vodka on Facebook. Find Swell at fine stores that sell spirits. Hey, it's Chad Reed with Monster Energy Yamaha 360 Fly Chaparral Motorsports. That's an old one there, Jack. Wow. All right, I want to thank... Racetech, the science of suspension for nearly 30 years. Racetech has been producing the highest quality suspension components and tools, including gold valves for most types of motorcycles and ATVs. They don't have them for jet skis, though. Did you know that? They don't make gold valves for I, jet skis. I wonder suspension. why. Not a one. Yep. So you can visit their website at racetech.com. Our guest uh, is Tristan Hart, who is an uh, uh, Endurocross regular competitor and he joins us now what's up tristan how are you i'm good how are you guys good welcome to pit pass what's going on not much just laying low in canada trying to heal up from my injuries yeah talk about that what a drag huh yeah i know i felt like i was pretty much at the peak of my career so far i just beat cody webb the previous weekend and then i stayed at his house and trained with him and I was feeling probably the best I felt my entire life. And then came Reno and everything was going well. And then in the heat race, 
I tried to do a little, I tried to get off this log ride early, but I ended up doing that skateboard trick, almost like a 50-50 and sliding off sideways. And I landed on my right wrist and ended up dislocating it. And then I somehow in all this broke a metacarpal in my left hand too. So I had to stay overnight in the hospital and get surgery the next day. Luckily it all happened really soon and drove back home the next day. And yeah, I've been just chilling ever since pretty much. And yet you continue to lead in uh, one of the series you're contesting, right? Yeah, actually, I, I it's over now. I missed the last two rounds, but I had a big enough point gap that I ended up winning it still. What was it? I didn't, didn't catch it. The uh, AMA uh, West Hair Scrambles, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. That's awesome. Um, this this uh, The 50-50 grind that you tried to do, that Mr. Uh, Tony Hawk move that you did um was it on that 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 pole that you ride up and there's there's uh the concrete walls that you you can either ride up or or you can skim or you or you you know what i mean was it that event that that thing that i saw on video uh i think that was this past weekend is that right yeah that was that was denver we were i was watching the denver oh okay not the not the reno it's just incredible to to me it was kind of like that, except instead of, like, the end of it at a tire, it was just like a jump. It was a double off. And instead of trying to ride to the very end of the log, I tried to, like, cut out early and shave some air, like, to stay lower, which would save, like, half a second or something. So my front tire came off, which is what I wanted. But then my rear tire, since we're skinny, like, a, a log the size of the rear tire, you don't have any, like, you don't have any playroom. So my rear happened to go off the other side than my front did so it turned me sideways and then it just my skid plate was just like super slippery in the log and it just shot me off and then I just fell straight to my wrist from like 20 feet or something going pretty fast and yeah that was it okay so you're riding on a telephone pole basically and uh, you're trying to scrub it so what could go wrong (laughs) nothing (laughs) nothing at all not one thing none of us in this room could ride up that thing let alone worry about scrubbing this oh here's how i'm gonna slide it here's how i'm gonna not even go over that i'm gonna go is there a go around option like a hero zero line or something because i'm uh that that doesn't look like it's for me Uh, it's just awesome what you guys can do i I raced a hair scramble sunday and uh pretty pathetic watching you know they had a two hero zero lines and i'm just you know when you're lapping guys you just have to go what are these people doing and they just launch their bike from both sides and i'm i'm making fun of them in my head and then if i showed up in an enduro cross you would i would be that guy it's it's just incredible um how do you train for yeah. for enduro cross so you, you got a setup at home or what are you doing you live in canada is that right yeah so i live in canada i live in a small town that probably no one's ever heard of it's called Invermere. population three thousand, so it's pretty small and I live just on the outskirts of town. My dad has like 25 acres, so it, we have enough to like have an enduro cross track that he has a bobcat as well. So I can like tune it to how I want it. I can change it daily. So in that regard, it's honestly like a dream, dream place to live. I love it here, and I hope to never leave. Honestly, are you um, are you familiar with the song "Out for a Rip"? Yep, I'm Canadian, isn't it? 
It's so good. I, is it called Shark Tank? Is that the group? I don't know, but everyone a couple of years ago in Canada would say, "Out for a rip, are you, bud?" Out for a rip, are you, bud? Out for a rip. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> We're gonna play it during commercial, so these guys know what's going on. It's Jack. Can you find that? I actually disregard. It's got swearing in it. Don't don't find that. We can't play that on the show. Um, <laughs> our guest is Tristan Hart, a neurocross racer, Canadian. We come to find out. Um, that's the land to the north of us there. That uh, Great White North. The Great White. They're, they're very polite up there. Um, <laughs> Tristan, you're, uh, how long are you expected to be out, bud? Uh, I just saw my hand specialist, and it's not, it's not entirely, like, determined yet. It kind of all just depends on how my physio and my whole recovery process goes. It's just dealing with ligaments and tendons. It's just kind of a play-by-ear is what I'm told, and hopefully around December, January-ish, but could be sooner, it could be later, so we'll see. Are you on the SRT team? Yes, yes, I am. How's that? That uh, He sponsors a lot of guys. Yeah, he's got, like, last year he had a team of 20, and this year is like, 14 or 15, and he picked me up when they, he picked me up two years ago, and basically... No one had ever heard of me, really. I was, like, basically a nobody in the world. And, yeah, he picked me up for a two-year deal, and I couldn't be happier. He's, like, done so much for me, and he basically helped me get to the point of where I am now. There's no way I'd be here without him. So I can't thank him and SRT enough for the opportunities they have given me. I, uh, we, we did We raced down in Baja last year on the 500 in June, and he had a huge squad down there. And I was just, I was yeah. just blown away. Yeah, they've done that. I think they used to do it for like two or three years, but they stopped because it was so dangerous, and everyone on the team got hurt. I think last year. <laughs> well, that's why I'm not doing it. Also, anyway, and Baja is not yeah. a safe place. Actually, I leave in a week from yeah. tomorrow. I'm going to fly down there, and I'm going to ride from Tecate to Cabo San Lucas, which is the entire peninsula um, of Baja, and that alone, I think, is. My mom listens to this show, so now she knows where I'm going to be. She may she may give me a hard time Sunday when I see her, but you, you may not get to leave the country. I I may not. She may not let me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it's uh, so they they're not doing Baja at all anymore. The SRT team. No, actually, starting the team SRT. This is the last year. It's not going to be a team next year. He's just going to focus on selling products and growing the SRT brand hmm. in other ways. Ooh, maybe he wants to sponsor some events. We can start throwing some off-road events from him. Sure. Yeah. That'd be fun. Why not? Yeah, maybe. Tristan, uh, a lot of outside of, what's the what's the Canadian series, off-road series like? What do you race up there? Uh, there's two series. There's one in British Columbia and one in Alberta. And also there's a Canadian one, which I won the last two years, except this one because I had to go to more important races in the States. But the Canadian races are pretty gnarly. Like, a Canadian hair scramble would be similar to, like, an almost extreme enduro in the States. Like, lots of mountains, lots of rocks, lots of roots and trees. Like, there was one time it snowed and only, like, three people finished out of, like, two or 300 racers. Holy cow. Canadians, Canadians get gnarly. It's crazy. Is that pretty normal to race? I mean... 
It's not unheard of in any of our off-road series to potentially see snow, but it's definitely not the regular. It's is not it, fun either. Is it normal for uh, part of the season to have snow at certain venues? Yeah, for sure. The ones in the early spring, I'm pretty sure I did two snow races. Not like the whole race, but there's just parts that have snow because we go to the Alpine in the mountains, so there's normally snow there. And then in the fall, like so right now, the last couple races of the year, usually can get some snowfalls too, which the terrain's already gnarly. And then you add snow and it's just like, it's mayhem. Are you required to take smoke breaks? <laughs> <laughs> no. Not funny? Kind of funny? I don't know. It was, it was part of that song. Out for a rip, oh. are you, bud? All right, uh, Tristan, right. who do you want to thank for uh, helping you go racing? Sponsor role. Uh, my, fam- my family, first and foremost. I wouldn't be here without my dad, my my mom, and my girlfriend, and the rest of my siblings. And then SRT and Craig Thompson. Craig Thompson's the owner. He's done so much for me, so I can't thank him enough. And then Haney Racing, my local dealership in Canada, that's super awesome to me and always been good to my family. AEO, Suspension, Evo, O'Neill Gear, Hammer Nutrition, Showy, Viral, PD. There's so many people that have helped me get to where I today, and I can't thank them more enough. All right, Tristan Hart, good job. Congratulations on your success. Uh, heal up soon. I know you'll be back soon at it. And and uh, let's have you on after you've had maybe some, some good races where you're you're healthy and, and in the full swing of it, okay? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We uh PJ we we were talking about it off air the the race and cutter um has it is going to be under the, the world superbike finale it will be at Doha Circuit Losail Cutter two races two days so you have two races under the lights that's correct okay so um and that's coming up is it this weekend this weekend absolutely the and, last race of the world superbike season and is that the opening round of MotoGP do I does that my, my memory serve and yes the, the last Quite a few years. World or MotoGP starts at Cutter. That is correct. And what time of year is that? That's like March. So it's hot no matter what time of yeah. year it is. And, MX, it is. and MXGP starts around that same time, and they start in Cutter also. They have a track there that's yeah. that's under the lights. Yep. Yeah. They've raced so motocross there. Yep. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. It's top of the hour. We have uh, we, we had Shane McElrath on, AJ Cantanzaro, and Tristan Hart, Enduro Cross Racer. Hour number two is coming around the corner. We have Cameron Bobier. Very fast road racer and off-road rider, Josh Strang. This has been Pit Pass Hour Number 1. Stay tuned. Another hour in front of us. We appreciate you listening. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires. 
starting with the VRM229 for hard pack supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four-strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new Slow Rebound Tacky Compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the Tacky Tires, the choice of Sherco Off-Road. Racers say when using a Tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. Radio, America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. This is Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. All right, welcome back. Hour number two of the show. We uh, we had Shane McElrath, AJ Catanzaro, who both did very well at the Red Bull Straight Rhythm, and uh, Tristan Hart, who's an Enduro Cross Race. We had all those three on an hour number one. Hour number two, now we're going to have Cameron Bobier on, who uh, just finished up the the uh, Superbike title very, very strongly. It's, it's a big year for him. So Cam's going to be on also. Josh Strang's coming up who uh, just won a title and we uh, is in still racing the GNCC, has one race left this weekend in Crawfordsville, Indiana. And I don't know if he's going to announce who he's racing for next year, but I know who it is. I don't know if it's uh, public yet, but we will find we'll out. We'll ask him. So, yeah, we will uh, put him on the spot. So uh, uh, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate everybody tuning in each and every week. 15 years we've been on air, and we haven't gotten any better at it. But oh, uh, we're, we're struggling right along, though. <laughs> struggling right along. Just getting it done. Roman's out of the... the uh, yeah, I don't know where he went. Uh, Scott Casper's off today. He's had some political thing uh, with Paul Szynski, our buddy in Van Meter. So, uh, Scotty's gone. Jack and Leanne DeLeon are producing. Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, big thanks to them for contributing to the program each and every week. Our guest now joining us is... 2018 Moto America Superbike Champ. Third time he's done it. We call him Champ now. Cam Bobier. How you doing, Cam? Uh, doing good. How about you guys? Doing awesome, man. And it's uh, fortuitous. I don't always know who's going to be uh, who's going to be uh, interviewed with us uh, when I get in here. But I just finished a new garage at my house, and this very weekend I hung up the 2016 Cambobier on the yellow and white uh, 
R1. I hung up your championship-winning banner because I work at our local uh, Yamaha dealer, Hicklin Power Sports. That was laying around yeah, un- unused, and I couldn't think of a better thing to hang up in my garage. So, so stoked that we got you on. Great season, and congratulations. It's a lot, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good year. Um, after getting our butts kicked last year and, and also at the beginning of the season, it just felt good to you know turn that turn it around and uh, get some race wins under our belt. We won. Well, won getting your seven butt out of eight races, and uh, it, was, it was good, man. It was, it was it was a good feeling, that's for sure. I don't know that getting your butt kicked is exactly how it went. Uh, you you were in with a fighting chance every weekend. At least that's the way it seemed from a spectator's perspective. Cam, what uh, what made the difference though this season when uh, you felt like you guys began turning around? Yeah, you know, it was tough. It was tough at the uh, at the beginning of the season. We were we were kind of stra- scratching our heads because we were we were there, like we were there. We were fighting for uh, always fighting for the race wins, other than like Coda. Um, but Road America rolled around, and the tires that we tested on uh, pretty much all off season it was a super soft front, a bigger rear tire that Dunlop introduced to us uh, at the end of last season, and, and over the off season and uh man i think that just kind of unlocked my r1 like i feel like we spend a lot of a lot of more a lot more time on the side of the tire than than maybe the other bikes just because that's you know that's what the r1 likes to do flow through the track and uh man kind of ever since that happened uh it wasn't much but it was just that little tick that that kind of uh clicked us in gear and we just started reeling off wins and it was there's no better feeling than, than just kind of turning around and uh, after you've been struggling for a little bit and finally get that little breakthrough and start winning and and uh, and get that plate back. So it's a good feeling. Cameron Bobier is our guest, the Motul Superbike champion. He was uh, is one at three of the four years he's contested. Is that right? Uh, three, yeah, three out of five. Three out of five. Uh, fifth year this year. Yep. Okay, so. Well, stick with it. You might get it. You might get the hang of it here after a while. Um, 60% success rate's a pretty good one when it comes to championships. You, sir, are good with math because yeah, that was well, fast. Uh, I was getting my calculator out, and I didn't even, <laughs> I wasn't even close to even yeah, well, opening I, the app. Not really good at riding motorcycles, but math, I got it. <laughs> uh, Cameron, you're, uh, it's, to me, it's, it seems crazy, and, and that just goes to show what, the level that you guys are at as racers and competitors, but it just seems to me crazy that, that you can say a, a different tire that, that they put out is the difference and in, in st- start reeling off wins. And that was your words. I, to me, yeah. is it mental though too, or is it, is it, uh, is it really just that tire puts you guys in a position to, to do it? Because obviously you're, you're the man you've, you've done it three out of five times. Yeah, I think, I think it's a lot of things, you know, I think, Obviously, confidence is one of them, and uh, I think everything just kind of started started going our way, and we just never quit fighting. I think, you know, I think that's uh, that's what it's all about. Even when you're kind of getting beat up and just keep getting seconds and thirds, and we just never quit fighting and uh, fought our way back into the championship. I think we were down like 30, 35 points at at one point, and we were able to crawl crawl our way back and uh, clicking off wins, like I said. And, I think definitely the tire had both front and rear had had a little bit of part of 
part to do with it for sure. Uh, but I mean, you you guys know the team. They don't. They hate. They hate losing just as bad. They're going to do everything and anything they can do to to get us back on top. So it was an awesome year, man. We had some some crazy battles. Me, Heron, and Tony at you know Road America and uh, Laguna, and there's a handful of really good races this year, and, and uh, it was good. It's definitely definitely probably my my most memorable season uh looking back uh in the future looking back so uh it was a good one and this season will be remembered uh certainly um by fans and, and the sport in general for being the last year of the race in Hayden so that had to be uh you know you already had the title locked down at Barber um you you've been racing Roger a long time uh in, in your current class this this year has been a memorable year. I, I mean, and there's been a lot of talk uh, about who is going to fill Roger's seat, which probably doesn't matter much if you're on the Graves R1. You you've got your own business to attend to, but I mean, oh, I'm just as curious as you are, honestly. Yeah, we're waiting, <laughs> and then we haven't heard anything yeah. official. Nothing official at this point. Uh, Cam, your name has come up more times than I would say a lot of really anybody else in your class. For is he going to go somewhere? Are you have you uh, made any real uh, connections that would lead you to anything overseas? Anything that you can talk about? Or I mean, are... yeah, um, that is. I mean, for sure, that is my goal. I I, I really want to get over there and race on the world stage. Uh, like I said before, World Superbike. I feel like that would be that would be such a cool uh, that would be such a cool series to race in. Um, those guys are those guys are no joke. They're they're uh, I mean obviously world class riders, and I want to I want to prove myself over there. But uh, I don't I don't want to leave what I have here for something I'm unsure about. So I think you know just spend spend a couple more years here, or however many, wait for a good opportunity to to pop up, and uh, hopefully get my foot in the door over there. I think that'd be really cool. But for now, I think uh, man, I just want to keep fighting for wins here and, and, and hopefully some championships and, uh, in the next couple of years and, and see what happens. But I mean, it's kind of crazy. I, I'm 25, going to be 26 at the end of the year. And I know that's not old, but it's kind of getting old when you want to go to Europe. So, uh, so we'll see, but I do really want to stay in the Yamaha family. Those guys, they, they are like family to me. And I know that they, there's been a second team that's been b- being talked about uh a second yamaha team over there in world superbike and that could be that could be an option in, in the future maybe in the next couple of years or something like that who knows what the pata guys are going to do uh but right now I'm, I'm going to focus on you know what i got going on here and that's trying to win win some more races in a, in a championship it's not easy. uh but i think that's the plan as, as of now well, Cam, you you'd be deserving of any opportunity, but uh, clearly you've got your head on straight. Uh, you don't walk away from a championship caliber, championship winning team for just any ride uh, in any series. You know, you wanna you wanna be at the sharp end. And I've been hearing other interesting things about your paddock, uh, the Moto America paddock. You heard Tony that 
Josh Hayes, there's some rumblings that the guy might be trying to get back on a bike. Of course, we know yeah. there's no place on, <laughs> on the planet that he'd rather be and than on a motorcycle. And he's basically told that to our face over the radio. Yeah, uh, we know that's where he wants to be. Uh, there's there's some stuff rumbling. Do you, do you still talk to Josh at all? Certainly, he's been your teammate, Cam. And he, yeah, yeah, all the time. He's uh, raced you as hard as anybody. Absolutely. That guy, he's awesome, man. He's I got a ton of respect for him. I still look up for him, even though he's he's uh, he's not racing anymore. But uh, who knows? Who knows if he if he comes back? That uh, that'd be awesome. I think that'd be good for the sport. Um, I've been hearing a lot of interesting things. Maybe like I've been hearing Ducati might come in next year, or there's some talk of it. But who, who knows? Who knows until everything everything's done? But I think uh, I think it's good that they're even talking about that. I think that's super good for Moto America. You know, what Wayne and, and the guys have done the last few years is, is pretty amazing. And I think, uh, I think it's just going to get better from here on out. I mean, that's the plan, right? So, um, it's good. You're uh, I think you're right on your spot on there that, that it's, it's really encouraging to hear that, that manufacturers that are not currently racing in Moto America are considering, you know, fielding a team or, or, at some at some level anyway um yeah that's what we need i mean we need the other the other manufacturers in there uh you know fighting for championships and wins and and, uh it's been good i mean look what tony did when he came over i think he he truly did raise the bar last year uh obviously the first year he learned all the tracks and all all that stuff they were on the older older bike and then uh last season they got the, their new bike, and uh, him and Rods were, were, were so fast all year. And uh, he definitely raised the bar of, of this series, and I'm just happy we we were able to uh, kind of pick up the pieces and, and match it this year and uh, and fight. So it's good. All right, good. Cam. So I'm going to kind of be a little bit more blunt compared to what PJ was saying, but What's the ideal team for you? Where do you want to be next year? What What's the ideal most setup for you? If you had, if you got setup. a pick, if I had to pick, I would. If in a perfect world, I would like to take my guys over there on my bike because I think we could. Uh, I think we could do pretty good. Uh, that's that's in a perfect world. But all of Ben Speed's oh nine. Take your <laughs> take your crew chief over and just show the world how I'd it's done. It. I'd love it. Take take old Hobbs over there. That'd be uh that'd be something else. But how's old Hobbs feel about that? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. He's getting older. Who knows who knows if he's retiring soon or, or what? But yeah, it was houseworth with Spees and Yeah, I, I, yeah. He didn't uh he went along for the ride. I don't think he was all that jazzed about it after. Thanks for winning in the first year. I'm heading home now, dude. Is what I recall Houseworth <laughs> pretty much saying. It's awesome. You know, uh, you're talking about your 26. You are you are getting old, Cameron. Um, but uh, you know, Kevin Schwantz was almost 30 when he won his title in 1993, which makes him pretty old. Wow. So yeah, he was 29, and and Scott Russell didn't even start riding until he was. Pretty much eighteen. I mean, really. Yeah, I mean, there's there's there's, there's uh, outliers to most common knowledge. You stay healthy. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where I think 
I feel like I'm in a decent situation to where, you know, World Superbike is there. It's there are some you know some older racers in there, and uh, and I think that could be that could be me. You know, someday get o- get over there, and spend a few years over there, and see what I could do. Um, but heck, I mean, if Moto America keeps getting you know bigger and bigger and better and better, and more riders come over here, yeah, the guys are coming our way team, right now. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and. uh and that, that you know that would be awesome. I I've, I've been reading that Melandry wants to come over, and I see that Chavi Flores he might come over. And those are some some extremely talented riders. And I mean, the more the more the merrier. Obviously, it'd make it harder, but I think that'd be so good for us. That's well, what we need. So well, Cam, I definitely think there's hope for you as far as the age goes. I didn't start racing motocross till 32, and yeah, but that's look a bad how, example. You're really bad at look, it. Look at how good I am. Now. You're really bad. You know, honestly, the, with with modern technology and your money, Cam, there's no reason why you can't race to be to be 105, 110. Yeah, for sure. There's, <laughs> yeah. For sure. Why not? Well, what do you think about the new World Superbike, for, as long as we're talking about World Superbike, and the off chance that you, uh, in some year soon, get a chance to go over there. What do you think about it? Did you see that they've changed their racing format next season? They're going to do two shortened sprint races on Sundays? Yeah, yeah. I'm, you're, you're talking the three-race format? Yeah, they're talking about doing a three. It'll be a standard race on Saturday, roughly 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's their format, wherever they're at local time. And then two races on Sunday, yeah. netting three yeah, so, total points races. Yeah, so for me, I mean, everyone has their, their own opinion, but I I kind of like the... I kind of like the the one race deal, you know, like MotoGP does. There's so much build up and so much hype that goes into that one race. And I, I mean, obviously here we only race nine or ten uh, events a year, so we have to. We're, we're doing double headers every weekend. But I kind of, I think it kind of takes away from the hype of of the race. You know what I'm saying? Like the build up to the race. Um, for sure, for like a, a spectator standpoint. I think it's cool, like when you're at the track and, and there's more action on the track. But uh, for me as a racer, I think it's cool having like that build up, that hype just just for one race. You put all all your effort into one race, and, and that's that. All your eggs in one basket. Yeah. And when you lose it in turn one, try again next yeah. race weekend. I it, I totally agree with you. MotoGP is, is our only real. Um, road racing series that supports that model they've got support classes around them to keep the spectators as you pointed out you know you got to give the guys paying tickets uh, some racing on track action yep. or they're not gonna probably show up and buy tickets but that Absolutely. said the uh, you know i agree with you completely uh, i don't know how this double race format's gonna work out it'll be interesting to see yeah yeah it should be and and I know that I think the he said on Sunday morning it should be a pretty short like sprint race. So who knows? It couldn't. It might not change much. But I think it's interesting. We, you know, we we see in, in other formats, other races, uh, types of racing like Monster Cup. That's a that's a similar idea. You know, instead of having a heat and a main, it's three main events. And Change so, things up. Just so do it different. It's just different. I, I think it's cool to, to uh it'll be something it might uh it might be another year that we can do this radio show and talk about. 
something different. Something different. <laughs> and, and it's it, at it, the same time. At the same time, like I, I was kind of, I was like, man, what the heck? When they when they did the, they went to that different qualifying format last year. I was like, why would they, that's stupid? Like, why would they do that? But this year, it made it. It makes it like a, you got a, uh, you got someone that's normally in, you know, running around in fourth or fifth, uh, leading the first part of the race, and I think that's that's good. You know, I think that's good for uh, for rider exposure and the fans and stuff like that, just to change it up and not see Johnny take off, you know, every race. I think, uh, I, even though he does most of the time, but you he know, sure does. But it, what, I mean, you're a racer of that first time you get a lead and you're in front of everybody. I mean, that does a lot for your confidence. It adds time oh, yeah. to, it adds time. That guy who gets that chance, he's faster from then on. He's like, wait, I belong here. What was it? What was oh, it that sure. Jonathan was saying uh, a week or two ago, you were quoting him about, uh, He'd have had somebody's ride. Oh, Cal Crutchlow. He yeah. was. He and Cal Crutchlow were going back and forth a little bit. Nothing too serious. Uh, and how did that work for Crutchlow this last week? Uh, Crutchlow took second. Yeah, uh, it, so. it took uh, Dovey eating it mm. to, to get him a second, but well, he would have been on the podium, podium either way. He's still on the podium, yeah. period. It's awesome. So uh, wh- how are you spending your time? Are you, um, what, are you, what are you up to? Man, I haven't, I haven't really been doing too much since the off season started, I got a puppy with my girlfriend, and uh, then I went to a little flat track this last weekend with my buddy Wyatt out in my backyard, and I uh, went to Monster Cup and the awards banquet in Vegas last week, and that was pretty sweet. And uh, I got to I went golfing with uh, with Hayes and and his buddy Bob May. He's like a old PGA Tour player, and so yeah, I just I've just been kind of enjoying. Life. Did you let me get? Did you get get an English bulldog? No, I got a I got a little golden retriever pup. Are you even a pro racer if you're not going to get a, a English bulldog? Isn't that they, the thing? No, French French a French bulldog. French, yeah, yeah, French bulldog. Yeah, I might trade her in. You might want to no. trade her, and then you can probably win another title. Don't let your girlfriend say <laughs> hear you say you're trading her in. No. I just I know they're not keen on that at all. You could be a SoCal guy, bro, cow, SoCal dude with your is it a French bulldog? French, French, yeah, French bulldog, and a Frenchie. You yeah, get you a tall truck, and it's <laughs> I mean, you'd be set, Cam. Oh man, he can still have a tall truck. He Love just it. puts his golden retriever in the back. I mean, it's like around here. Do they, they shed a lot, don't they? <laughs> they do. They. I'm not going to lie. I got the truck. I got the truck. I'm NorCal, though. Uh, NorCal, my Nor- bad. NorCal. Right on, right. Yep. <laughs> cool, bro. Uh, <laughs> all right, we got to take a break. We have a off-road Josh Strang guy on. You, you anything you want to want us to ask him? Um, who is that? Say that again? <laughs> His name's Josh Strang. He is a, a top off-road racer in the, in the United States. He's from nice. somewhere else. He's got that is funny. Season, is the season Australia. over? Their season is not over. They have one race left. Nice, dude. That off-road stuff's scary. It is scary. All right, who do you want to thank, Cam? Uh, everybody. First of all, my mom and dad for uh, getting me to where I am now. My family, um, little brother Ez, and uh, everyone at Yamaha. You know, they're they they've been they've been you know six seven years when I. Ever since I signed with them, it's uh, truly is like a family over there. Monster, uh, Bell, Power Sports, uh, Alpine Stars, and Man Above for keeping me safe. And, uh, you guys, for 
All right, man. Congratulations again. It's been a pleasure to have you on and congratulate you on air for your title. Good job. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, we're going to take a break. want to thank Wiseco Performance Products, carrying a full line of forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets, clutch hubs, crankshafts, forged connecting rods, valves, and more for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard marine, and automobile on the planet. For one name, one solution, visit Wiseco.com. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm uh, David Vuderman, the world-famous gun rider, and you're listening to Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard-packed supercross settings, and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions, and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new Slow Rebound Tacky Compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the Tacky Tires, the choice of Sherco off-road. Racers say when using a Tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. With no speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans, Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details at trackaddicts.com. That's trackaddix.com. Or call Ducati Omaha at 402-408-4400. Learn to ride your sport bike the way it was meant to be ridden with track addicts track days it's a fact the best you've ridden is the best you know until you've ridden race tech suspension you haven't experienced the best suspension possible race tech is the science of suspension for atv and utvs motocross freestyle and stunning off-road supermoto road race sport bikes cruisers touring and vintage bikes as well as adventure riding with gold valve kits to upgrade your stock forks and shocks and our g3s custom series shocks you too can have the Racetech suspension advantage, and it's all made in the USA. For more information about Racetech products and applications, visit our website at Racetech.com. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO. If you're passionate about riding motorcycles both off-road and on, check out the full line of Yamaha Dual Sports at Hicklin Power Sports. The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest to ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long-travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style, Yamaha has a dual-sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. 
Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the DeLeon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The DeLeons will offer you one-on-one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans and make your dreams a reality. Call the DeLeons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack DeLeon Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. This is Tim Ferry, hero of Motocross Nation Team USA, and you're listening to Pit Pass Moto Racing Weekend. All right, big thanks to Cameron Bobier, Motul Superbike Champion. The champ. Three times out of five tries. And we got another champ coming up. We do. Five years old. Full gas sprint enduro series champ, recently crowned. Josh Strang joins us now. What's up, man? How are you? Oh, not too much. Just uh, you just caught me before bed, actually. So. You know what? It's kind of. I was thinking about that when I saw that you were on. Uh, they sent us the script, and I was and I was reading on my way in. You know, while I was driving, of course. And uh, I was thinking, Josh is probably going to make some sort of a comment that it's late and he's he's about ready to go to bed, <laughs> or he's he's got a drink, some sort of energy drink that's he's currently sponsored by, to, or something. Yeah, no, it's uh, the bedtime. Uh, comment tonight so little man we just put him down he's sleeping right now so uh, i'm about to hit the hay as well after i jump off the phone but uh figured i'd stay up and talk to fellas um again so uh, it's good to be back on how's the little man uh he's four months today actually wow and is he sleeping through the night uh he wait well yeah i am (laughs) (laughs) no yeah he's uh he wakes up once so he's he wakes up anywhere from like three thirty to four thirty. Um, we give him a bottle, and then he goes back down till it's. Uh, my wife has to go to work in the morning, so she gets up about six. So he wakes up with her, or he wakes up about six thirty or seven when I get up. Oh, so that's a big swing in your program in the morning. If if uh, she takes care of that morning deal, or if he sleeps in with you, right? Because for me, I I pray that my kid she's three now but i pray that she gets up and goes with mom to to the lady that watches the the daycare the in-house daycare thing because otherwise i don't know how my chick does it because she'll get her up and they'll she gets to work on time and it's no problem for me and i don't have a set schedule so i don't have to you know like you i i just got a lot to get done but i don't have to be somewhere at a certain time and it takes me forever to get you know what i mean that's because she's well, working. Yeah, she takes one that's shoe off while you're putting the other one on. You that got whole it, deal. Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you yeah, like no, being a dad? Oh man, it's awesome. It's definitely, it's definitely a lot of work. But it's, I mean, we're um, all off and on at that stage in our lives where we're like, we wanted to have a baby, so we're prepared to do the work that needs to be done. And and I mean, it, it for us, it's fun and exciting. And and uh, I mean, uh, waking up at Honestly, I don't. I don't wake up very often at night with her. But um, she, like you said, she doesn't seem to complain about it. And if I had to do it, I'm sure I'd be complaining. But uh, but I'm thankful she's around and she she does that. And and I look after him um, for the, for a couple of days a week anyway when I have to. And then drop him off at the babysitter when I got to go do stuff. And then uh, his grandma is uh, she just retired, so uh, perfect. Got him three days a week, so it's like. It has it's worked. Ideal. It's, uh, 
Yeah, it is. It is ideal. <laughs> yeah. No, my, and I'm on the opposite spectrum. My daughter is uh, a freshman in college, so. Uh, but I, I mean, I can kind of remember those days uh, if I if I try a little bit harder. But it's, uh, you, you know, know, it's got to be a great thing. I mean, and I, I. I don't know how you do it, Tony, at your age with the three-year-old. At my age, <laughs> but I'm uh, 41. It's not like I, I, I. Thank and, you. And Josh, I'm I'm 43, so you kind of do the math there. My yeah. daughter's a freshman in college, so anyway, you got to be pushing 30, don't you, Josh? Yeah, 30. Yep, I'm 30. Exactly. That's what I thought. Yep. So, uh, and and and, and you know, uh, back to the little kid thing. When we had our kid, we lived in the in the other house. Yeah. And it was uh, her room was so far from my bedroom, I didn't hear her cry or anything in, in the night. Now we we've moved down by the track, and so it's uh, you know like I, I when she wakes up I can hear her stirring in her bed and everything. So and we have another bedroom, but to have another kid, I would have to wake up. I think it would the kid would wake me up every night, and I'm just not real fond of that. So yeah, I uh, I don't think I have a hard to... time with my dog snoring right now. <laughs> Your dog does snore. <laughs> Josh Strings, our guest. We're getting a little off topic, but uh, congratulations on winning the 2018 Kenda Full Gas Sprint Enduro Series Championship. Yeah, thanks. It was a uh, it was a good weekend. I mean, it was a good year for the for the Full Gas, so I enjoyed it and um, ended up being a fun weekend. I mean, the last round was on a on a golf course and we so we had a grass track on the golf course and then a enduro test up in the hills and i mean the it rained a little bit on friday night but other than that the conditions were perfect you know i mean it was cold but um the dirt was perfect and uh yeah i mean i rode felt like i rode good good enough saturday to be able to just ride um comfortably on sunday and and wrap it up so i mean it was it was uh it's a good way to finish the year anyway we've got a gncc this weekend but it's a good way to finish off the, the one series anyway so uh, so yeah i'm i'm happy with it and, and uh uh i mean the good good um accomplishment to put on my resume for sure you did you say you had a, a test on a golf course yeah yes yeah, so the race was that was the this race um is advertised that we race on a golf course so it's a place in it's a dream exactly well yeah yeah no kidding i mean it's not a, it's not a pga golf course so, I mean, we're not going to run into Tiger Woods out there or anything, but, but uh, it's it's a golf golf course still. So, uh, I mean, yeah, we jumped off a couple of tee boxes and uh, rode around. The, like, we didn't ride on the greens or nothing, uh, but up and down the fairways. And, it's, I mean, it was all grass, 100% San- grass. So. Did you hit any sand traps? Uh, no, there wasn't any sand traps. Oh. Did he just destroy the place or what? Well, so that's the thing. It's not... <laughs> It's not a high-end golf course, and <laughs> in, the back, in the back side of the property, there's a motocross track, and they oh. have a mud bog. So it's kind of whoever owns the place that must be into motorsports or whatever. And then it's into golf and moto. Yeah. So it's a in, little bit it, of everything. It was the Hidden Valley Golf yeah. Course in Glen Daniel. Yeah, West, yeah. not Glendale, Glen Daniel, which is much different than the Glendale Golf Course. Uh, in uh, I would imagine in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Different. I've driven by that one. It, it doesn't sound like it, they would have a mud bog or a motocross track. But so, I, I mean, I got to believe that it just destroyed. I mean, we have races 
you know, like uh, sometimes through people's yards and stuff, and I'm racing, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this has got to be bad for, you know, like like yeah. off-road, enduro, a lot of enduros and stuff, you know, we'll go through. You know how it goes. You've raced them. You're going through somebody's backyard, and they're standing there watching, and you're like, man, I'm sorry about your grass, and you're just pinned across it. And I don't know. It just yeah, seems odd to be at a golf the, course. Yeah, I think the, the like I think when you get to West Virginia, the about this time of year is when everything stops growing anyway because it, it gets so damn cold up there. Uh, well, not up to compare where you are, actually, I guess. But anyway, West Virginia for me is cold. So uh, I think. I think he has it this time of year so he can regrade it and reseed it and then over the winter it gets covered up and no one uses it at all and the grass comes back. So uh, in the springtime there, grass grows like cubs do. So I think it's all once in six, well, this time, by this time next year, the grass is back and you can hardly tell there's been a race there. So, um, And I think the property owners, <clears throat> they wanted to have the race there and I think they understand what, what goes on in the, the dirt bikes tear up grass. I think they get it. Um, I think they just. I think they understand that almost everyone who rides rides a dirt bike wants to race on a golf course. So. For sure. Yeah, because that's like yeah. every dirt bike dirt biker's yeah. dream. I'm not going to incriminate myself, but I know a guy. He do that d- did that when he was younger, and it was in the paper, and it was awesome, <laughs> and it was awesome from what he told me. Uh, huh. <laughs> Josh Strings, our guest, Josh. Uh, your uh, your season is coming to a close in the uh, the uh, at Ironman at the GNCC. Um, f- very cool track, very uh, very popular. They get in- incredible turnouts. What's the weather looking like for this weekend? Oh, I, don't know. I looked at the weather briefly, uh, maybe on the weekend. I think it looked like rain Friday, Saturday, or maybe Saturday, Sunday. So mm-hmm. uh, that that place is fun. Uh, I did, I'm not. I, I was trying to think when I saw the weather what if I'd, we'd ever had a rain, rainy race there, and I I can't remember having one in the ten years of being gone there or something. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what it's like. I, I have a feeling it'll probably get pretty technical and and uh, fairly muddy. So yeah, but it is. I mean, it's fun, and there's a lot of people go. Uh, it's, it's a good way to end the, end the year and that sort of stuff. So I'm excited to get up there and then. Uh, the weekend after, I head down to Chile for the six days. So, oh yeah, I uh, got technically got two races left for the year, and then uh, in the middle of November when I get back from six days, I'll have a bit of a break and uh, relax a bit. I think. So the the two things uh, talking about the Crawfordsville. Do you get to hook that big uphill jump? No, that one. That one. No. <laughs> well, there's two big ones. There's the one that, that comes out from uh, the bottom of the creek. I think. I, I don't know, I think we rode over it last year, but I don't think any of us are stupid enough to jump it on our wood wood suspension. What's the matter with you? So, uh, uh, You're Josh String. You you the guy that spent a whole year or two yeah. doing nothing but motocross. Yeah. You're my guy. Yeah, but but I get paid. You what? We lost you. What'd you say? I say I get paid to race in the woods, not to jump big jumps. And to finish. I think there's a big part <laughs> yeah. of the getting paid is part of finishing. Yeah, and you know he's a champion now of this full grass sprint enduro full, full, gra- full grass full grass enduro. full grass <laughs> jack can oh you get gosh. ryan sipes on the phone because oh, i know man. he'll jump that jump yeah. i don't know what this well, guy here this mr sprint yeah. enduro guy is talking yeah, about but, but. but we're, I'll, I'll talk to 
sit on the line. Ryan will jump that jump, but I'll, I'll beat him in the race. There you so. go. There, yeah. <laughs> and, and he would probably say the same. <laughs> yeah, but Ryan could also flat track and... Uh, 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 he, he, yeah, he did. And so straight rhythm. He was cool that him going to do uh, doing flat track. I like that. That's uh, it's something that I think I would like to have a go at. Oh, uh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, do something. I mean, he did, he did good at it, and it looks fun. Have you never done that at home? When you no. got have you when you went home, you've never because isn't that fairly popular at home? Yeah, I think so. But more down towards the city where uh, it's not where I, where I grew up. There wasn't much. Yeah, uh, Troy Bayless Classic. Yeah, Troy Bayless is yeah. uh, big yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. Josh, uh, your your ISDE that you're going to getting ready to do in Chile. Talk about that. That's such a neat event, and and uh, you know we were talking about that event a while back um, after the motocross and nations. How how good the other teams are, and and just that whole uh, team aspect there, and and how well the teams work together. What's your program like going there for ISDE? Uh, yeah, well. It's- so I go to race for Australia, obviously, and uh, I mean I don't see any of the guys. Honestly, I know, I think I only know two of the guys that are on both the senior and trophy team. That's Daniel Moore and Daniel Sanders. So, um, but I've always found going to the six days, it's a good, it's just a good time. Like we get the, the bit I hate the worst, the most about the six days having to walk all the special stuff. We end up doing like seventy to a hundred miles of walking. Leading up to the race, just to just to get the stuff. That's insane. A hundred miles? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Man. That's horrible. I hate it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Can you do like a mm-hmm. e-bike or an something? e-bike or something? <laughs> no, no, so, no, we can over here, but not at the six seven. No, you only had to walk. So. Oh, I'd be um, petitioning on something. Try uh, to we get need, we need something to, done. Yeah, but but like it's good. Like I just like going for the experience. We got our our, I guess our sports commission in Australia pays for us to go. Uh, like they cover our accommodation and flights and food and all that sort of stuff to go to race and in another country. And I mean, if someone else is paying for the bill, I'm going to try and do it as long as I can because it is fun. I mean, last I went to Spain two years ago and I, I shattered my ankle on the first day or shattered my heel on the first day. So, <clears throat> I mean, that's that's not that wasn't such a good such a good thing but i mean it's just fun hanging out with the boys um just you just talk junk the whole time do stupid stuff that you probably shouldn't do and then and then you get the race you do it by for your own country which um i mean is awesome in itself so, and who doesn't want uh, to do that yeah that's all right when you go home do they have parades <laughs> no no all right they will now they he will just added now. another just, championship another championship his- yeah to his uh, career, do you? Uh, so down there, that's a crazy amount of walking. I had, I guess, I didn't realize you walked. Do you need to walk that much? You think? I mean, you figure it out, right? You don't need to walk the whole thing. Well, yeah, the problem is that, that there is people that are walking that. Like they'll will walk the test, I guess, two to three times each, and there might be seven or eight tests. So if you don't if you don't walk the test, then the first day the first day of the test you're going to lose it might be five seconds of test and if we did eight tests a day that's what that that'd be 40 minutes 40 seconds. yeah yeah 40 seconds i mean sure yeah 40 seconds so i mean that and if you lost that in one day then it, 
that's really hard to make up. Even if you the next day you rode the same test and you were able to make up twenty seconds of it. Hmm. Wow. So so you have to be it's hard to yeah, it's hard to like I hate I really do not like the walking, but I think walking the the H word came out there and and I think you caught yourself, but I I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Josh, we're we're almost out of time, but I wanted to uh, talk to you about next year. I, I know there's uh, – at least I think I know what you're doing. Can you talk about it? Uh, no, at the moment, just uh, just trying to finish this Ironman race off and um, the six days with Husky. So um, when I get back from Chile, I think I'll have a better, better idea of what I'm doing next year. and um, Hopefully we have it all figured out by then. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I know that uh, the GNCC has has got a lot of, you know, obviously they're they're doing very well. Um, they are, uh, you know, the turnouts for the GNCCs are insanely good, and uh, you know, I, I there was a time when I thought, well, this can't they can't sustain these kind of turnouts, but they have been. What have the turnouts been like for the for the uh, full gas sprint enduros? Yeah, I think like I mean, I think we've touched on this a couple of times. The like that series, you can only get it so big because if they get if they get many more numbers, then the, there's not enough time in the day to run the, all the tests that we have to do. So I think he's about. I think they're about anywhere from 200 to 300 riders each round, which is pretty good, I think, for an series and that type of race. And I mean, any more than that, and that you like I said, there's not enough time in the day to run. So what does he do though? The test. Josh, I mean, it, it, that's you think about that versus twenty two hundred entries for GNCC. They're killing it. What what can he do to to uh, make that series? Or maybe he doesn't want to do that. But it just seems to me like they're, you know what I mean. It seems like he's so limited by that. Is is there? But he's full. He's at capacity every round, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, some it's all, it's the same as everywhere. He goes some places they might have low numbers and then they'll go to another place that will be probably more numbers than he put more numbers than he needs. I, I don't I don't know you don't like the GNC is massive, but the GNCC also have um I don't even know, they might have twenty employees. Maybe maybe more. At least, yeah. So yeah, so to do to run a series that big you have to have more staff, more more everything. So, and then I guess that would equal more headache in hand for whoever's running the show. And I think like Hooper, um, he does, he runs the full gas and I think he has a handful of people that help him out. And I think it, I think he enjoys doing it. So you want, you get, you got 600 riders, you're going to have to probably do twice as many rounds so you can spread it all out, I guess. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I think, for me, it's good. I like it because I get to do my racing. Um, the Hotspiner support me to go there, which is good. And, uh, I mean, I enjoy doing them. They're, they're, they're a lot of fun. Josh, you've uh, one of your peers is a, is a friend of mine, and uh, in a private conversation, he he talked about how you are – you have uh, – you're one of the guys that have put in the work over the years and truly trained and really, you know, no enhancements, nothing. You've just really um, put,
put in hard work and really have earned everything that you've gotten. Um, you're, how long do you see yourself racing? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I had to work hard to stay over here for one. Uh, when I came over, if I didn't, the goal was to, to stay here as long as I could. And if it didn't work, then I was going to have to go back. So, I mean, I always had to work hard. Otherwise I was going back to get a real job in Australia. So I want to stay here. So I work hard, but, uh, I think uh, I've committed to four more years, I think, racing. Uh, and then when I get to 35, I'll see see how I feel. You'll be uh, so old then. No, nah, that's not old. 41's old. I can attest <laughs> that. <laughs> that's Long awesome. Hey, Josh, one quick question. When you do decide to retire from racing, are you planning to stay here in the States? Are you going to go back home? Are you going to, if you stay here, are you going to help with other racers? Are you going to kind of run some camps? What do you kind of see the, the end being for you? Yeah, I don't, I mean, that's, that's something that I've, because I know, I mean, if it, if four years didn't work out and I was only two years, I want to have something to fall back on. That's what I've been trying to figure out. I mean, I'd like to help, help out kids and, or people on how to ride or race or train, but the problem I have is, I find a lot of the kids coming up don't want to put in the work that I feel should be put in. Um, so I have hard, I have, I'd probably get the sack the first week I was training some people. So, um, but yeah, you're fired. Maybe you're fired. Yeah. I'd get, get fired. Yeah. But, uh, we've talked about going home. Maybe when I was done racing, we'd go home for maybe a couple of years racing at home. Um, let the wife and the kids or the wife and kids, uh, experience Australia instead of just, just being there for a vacation, I would, I would like to do that, but it's uh, still up in the air yet. Uh, we've got, look, there's a, there's some time, time for all that conversation, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, honestly, I really don't know. I like the training side of things and, and helping people out, so maybe it would go that way, but uh, at the moment, I'm still focused on racing and, and trying to win. Yeah, your wife's an American, right? Yeah, she's from she's a North Carolinian. She was a Hooters girl that you met. <laughs> Just kidding. Jeez, <laughs> oh, Tony. I was, I was trying to think of a better restaurant than Hooters. <laughs> hey. uh congratulations josh it's always fun having you on thanks for staying awake so late for us we appreciate it um good luck this weekend in crawfordsville okay all right we're gonna take a break we'll come back this is pit pass hi this is henry wild flat track and road racer you're listening to pit pass Moto racing weekly with the tremendous amount of horsepower and torque created by modern dirt bikes, today's racewear must withstand tremendous forces. It must breathe well, be lightweight and protective, yet still durable. Fly Racing created its Evolution 2.0 racewear to fulfill these requirements. Evolution 2.0 features the industry's first BOA Closure System race pant designed to provide custom comfort, smooth, even closure, no pressure points, and simple one-handed adjustment. Add to that the Evolution 2.0 Pro Profit Advanced Ventilation Jersey and Premium Race Glove, and you have Generation Next Racewear, built to withstand the extreme conditions created by the modern dirt bike. 
For more information, visit flyracing.com. It's much more than a piston company. Wiseco now offers a full line of quality performance products, including forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets and hubs, crankshafts, camshafts, forged connecting rods and valves. At Wiseco, we offer accessories for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard marine engine, or automobile on the market today. After 70 years in the business, Wiseco has established a great reputation as a brand that can be trusted to deliver high-quality performance products for power sports enthusiasts and professionals. Wiseco. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10 right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Passionate about riding motorcycles off-road and on? Well, visit Hickam Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa and see the full line of 2017 Yamaha Dual Sports. From the simple-to-ride electric start TW200 to the nimble, lightweight XT250 to the racing-derived performance of the WR250R, Yamaha has your ride. Visit Hickam Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa today. Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Hickam Power Sports in Grimes. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, Eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Don't drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Time out. Drink Swell Vodka. Proudly and carefully distilled and filtered in Iowa. Find Swell Vodka in fine stores, restaurants, and bars near you. Like Swell on Facebook. Hi, this is Leslie Porterfield from High Five Cycles. Fastest woman in the world on a motorcycle. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. All right, welcome back. Big thanks to uh, Cameron Bobe and Josh String in this hour. We uh, got an announcement this morning from Feld Entertainment that the cities for the Triple Crown and the East-West Showdown events for 2019 are, uh, have been announced. The, um, they introduced this last year, and the rider that, that uh, did the best in three events is the Triple Crown champion, and it was Eli Tomac last year. And he's a millionaire, by the way, from... Uh, two weeks ago but uh the, the race is teammate yeah yeah thanks to his teammate joey savacci uh anaheim two on january 19th and then uh round that'll be round three of the championship that'll be triple crown number one then detroit will be triple crown number two which is on february 23rd and then houston is uh hosting the final event on march 30th what are your thoughts on that roman on the triple crown do you care uh i mean I guess I do care a little bit. Uh, it was entertaining because our own Justin Brayton was really good at that. Uh, it lends to his true his style. Uh, kind of goes back to that uh, arena cross time for him. Um, I think, though, in the larger picture, to have a kind of a race series within a, a series, not to mention the way the racing is structured in the Triple Crown versus your normal Supercross race, probably gets a little confusing and it's probably something that mentally can get a little stressful for these guys ah i think i'm not i'm not a huge fan but i think for the fan base it's it can be entertaining i think the east west showdown is a bigger deal because that's way more entertaining because the guy that wins a triple crown in the 450 class is typically the guy that's going to win the championship right maybe uh, probably possibly if, if you get a dominant guy like Eli Tomac is or when Villapoto was racing or whatever Dungey that, that Dungey yep those guys that that's going to be the triple crown champ um the uh and without throwing a ton of money at at that or something 
it's uh, I don't know. To me, it's it's not that interesting. But the East West Showdown for the 250 class, I think, is really cool because it it shows it showcases. It's always the we have to wait till Vegas. Some mm-hmm. of the guys aren't there by then. They don't show up, or they don't care about or it. They or they may be hurt, and they didn't, I mean. and they didn't, they didn't get to go. <clears throat> that's what I mean. They're, they don't show up is what I meant by that. They're hurt or whatever. But um, also, you know, they're finishing up their title in Vegas, and then they do the East West Shootout. They don't. It's they don't put they don't hang it out like they do. Plus, the effort's not there. Plus, the East Coast guys have been racing on good dirt all year long. Sandboy Stadium is notorious for having terrible dirt. It's slick, and it's a different style of racing. Same dirt every year, right? Yeah, it's junk. Yeah, it's, it's junk. It just bakes out there in in, in uh, Las Vegas in the Nevada desert, and it's never good. The Monster Cup, I thought they did a pretty good job, but it was still. They uh, brought in a lot of sand, and they mixed that soil up. It it, it was different than it's been. That is true. Um, and speaking of Sambo- Sandboy Stadium, to me, the speeds they get going uh, is – to me is dangerous i don't think it belongs in that series obviously these boys are pros they're the best in the world in supercross okay they can handle it so but to me i just and we were chatting about this when we watched monster energy cup before and we were talking about jason anderson and we were talking about this last weekend actually when we were watching straight bull or uh, straight rhythm red bull straight rhythm spit it out got it yeah anyway Jason Anderson launching oh, dude. off that ski jump into the sand. He's launching three quarters of the sand. He literally was high enough to go into the stands if he got squirrely. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he was so high. He was he was a school bus on end high with no landing but Easy. just rollers that yeah. you just jumping blind. I, yeah, and I mean, he's. I, I would like to know what the lit data at that moment said he was. I saw him Saturday. He was at the Evergood mm-hmm. at uh, Oak Ridge. It was so cold I didn't step out to say hi to him. <laughs> he and, walked right by. And, it was so cold and windy at the Evergood this weekend. I raced in the, and I I know you're you're on a you're making a point. But uh, yeah, Dean Wilson was to. there. I hung out with Emick actually. It was it was cool because I raced with him. So we we got to bro down a little group. bit. And uh, who? Same age group. Yeah, we're both old, right? Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, Josh Hansen was there, and Dean Wilson, and Jason Anderson. That was quite a deal for for our backyard. It's cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I was going to say, last year's Triple Crown winner did not win the Supercross Championship. That's true. Jason Anderson won Jason it last Anderson year. Jason Anderson won it last year. And Tomac was the triple. You're right. You're right. So and, what do I know? Well, you got to... You know, it's like old Reedy always said, you got to be in it to win it. And if you're not in the points at the end of the series, you're not going to win it. And Tomac, again, per se, as he's had it before in, in recent past years, got really close, been super dominant, and then. Real quickly, who's, who's your today. prediction for Supercross 450 champion 2019? I'm going Tomac. Good bet. Bandwagoner. Anyway, I'm going to go... Um, Plus, gosh. I was a fan of his last year. I'm going Chad Reed. <laughs> Chad Reed! <laughs> hey, you know what? Oh, I really yes. hope everything works out for him with JGR. I really do. I'm serious. I think he's could yeah, be he's, a really good... I mean, look what he did in a short amount of time with that team. Come on. All the right, guy's big, got talent. Thanks to Shane McElrath, AJ Cantanzaro, Tristan Hart, Cameron Bobier, and Josh Strang. That's our show. We appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. I'm Tony Wink. 
for Roman Avila, P.J. Duran, um, Jack and Leanne DeLeon, Chris Bishop, and Tommy Borhalverson. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. May I have your attention, please? Excuse me. Are you listening to me? Thank you. The preceding was an exclusive presentation of Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, a division of Pit Pass Radio LC. Any use of this copyrighted material without the express written consent of Pit Pass Radio LC is strictly prohibited. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.